So there's a trend for weddings that um, you and I did not. Were, we, when you and I got married, we this trend was not big, if even in existence at all. So I'm really excited to hear where you're going with this because I got to tell you, even though we got married so many years ago, I don't think there's ever a day that weddings aren't on my brain. And I don't even know why. It wasn't even – there's something about them – I love talking about them, and I love thinking about them, so I need to know what the new hot trend is. You need to give it to me. Oh, it's not new. It's been around for a while, but I'm one. I'm honestly wondering what your answer would be. Because um, there's a couple of trends that we were following. We followed the photo booth trend. Yeah, absolutely. We patently ignored the uh, barn in the middle of the woods with the burlap trend. Your sister did that, and that was fine. That's fine, too. Um, we... Hers worked really well. We tried to avoid an entirely Pinterested DIY wedding. We but, definitely had influences from there, But yeah. me and my mom are just too ding-dong crafty to not let that happen. So, give it to me. What is the trend? Wedding hashtags. Yes. And it's usually some sort of fun play on, like, the last name or last names or some clever, you know pun or something like that we had and i thought about it for like 10 minutes the other day and i was like what would ours would have been if we'd had one i I agree with the cute ones a mutual friend of ours their wedding hashtag was peaches and haggis because she was a georgia girl and he was from scotland so it all kind of worked itself together and i thought that was cute also that's a disgusting food combination but it's memorable it, you don't forget it, and I never will. I'm wondering who the hell you're talking about. The only person I know from Scotland is my former Sorry, boss. when I say mutual friend, I mean our other people on the podcast. I think Paige and Sam definitely Aaron. know. Yeah, yeah they, they Wait, what, your, about. your wedding hashtag was peaches and No, Aaron. <laughs> I'm, I'm, the mutual I'm s- friend we're talking about is a mutual friend between Liz and Aaron. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, what, also, hi, everybody. We're here. Yeah, Sam and Paige are on the... I was going to throw it to them with the... Uh, to late. ask them if you had a wedding hashtag and what it was, because I'm honestly forgetting. Um, but I mean, I think it was technically Paige and Sam get married because it was like Paige was, and Sam plan a wedding. It was like a follow-up to yeah. our podcast. That's a good See, We couldn't come up with a clever one. See, yeah, and there I, were a lot of other Sam and Paige couples out there that had gotten married already. Yeah, surprisingly. And, yeah, so... <laughs> Interesting. Options were a little match. limited, so we just said whatever. Let's not stress about it. When I was making the wedding website, there was a point where it's like, we just make an interesting hashtag, and I had the same thought: like, there is no interesting way to put our names together. And though I, I would have no idea what to do with our two names. Um, well, it was book themed, so maybe like booked the wedding. Uh, what was, no, okay, well, okay, we can do this. We had to save the date, but it was not save the date, it was steal the date. Steal the date. We were art thieves, and we were stealing a, a canvas painting of our date, taking it away. So, steal that. the date, maybe? Thank you, that means that we branded our wedding well, I appreciate <laughs> that. <laughs> very, very good synergy. You were talking about books and stuff, this is just because I've been watching too much RuPaul, but I was like, the library is open. Oh. <laughs> I do yeah, like that. Like people reading each other. Like you know? the yeah, like uh, open book would be me. If I was a hashtag, I'd be open book because I'm terrible at lying and I have no secrets. Uh, Love is an open book. <laughs> I yeah, I okay, so that w- Oh, okay, and no, I got it. Open book, open brain. 
me because I'm an open book, you because there's never a thought you've had that you haven't shared with the rest of the world. I was going to say, if there was one for me, it was yes, but no. <laughs> yes. Hashtag yes, but no. Um, Fifty Shades of Grey is my husband. <laughs> there are no whites in it's just all It's all gray. Yes and no. I was just wondering if we were going to get through one of our podcast recordings without me saying Fifty Shades of Fucked Up. Uh, unlikely, impossible, and the people have come to expect it, Aaron, so we better give them what they want. He's Aaron. She's Elizabeth. And, and we're married, married to, to the, the idea. idea. And we are joined today by the wonderful, the talented, the lovely Sam and Paige. Thank you so much for being on the podcast with us yet again. I see you're trying to beat the record for most times guesting on one of our episodes. I appreciate what the effort. The it's, it's five, it's I gotta believe, be, right? It's got to be Master Jonathan. Four? And he's... He's at least five? Everyone has, it's a lot tighter than I would have expected, but I think it's five times guest. You guys, I think, just hit five. It's four now. Yeah, this is four. Yeah. Parent we did Trap. Adventures. We did that Parent, Parent Trap episode. We did WandaVision, Wanda and here's us now. Here is four. That's it. And here's but, us now. But I was on JoJo Rabbit episode. That's true. Oh. It's four and a half then, I it's guess, is how we'll quantify yeah. that. Technically. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but all four of us are here because we are going to be talking some reactions, some thoughts about Falcon and Winter Soldier. Before we get started, though, let's have us a little plug party. You can follow us on Facebook at Married to the Idea. You can email us at MarriedToTheIdeaReviews at gmail.com. We are on SoundCloud and iTunes. And if you like what you hear, consider donating to our Patreon, patreon.com slash idea. We have a couple tiers that let you get in on the action, be a part of the Sponsor Dome, uh, offer ideas for future episodes all that good stuff and did i forget anything it has been a while we are a week late with this one that but that is because and not, not because we didn't have time but because we were specifically waiting one week till after falcon and winter soldier ended to talk about it so we could be a bit looser now me and aaron just did watch it now sam and Paige, how long ago did you watch the last episode how how fresh you coming to us few days ago it was a few days ago yeah we had been out of town and um we i want to say it was tuesday because on monday we caught up on episodes four and five and then i think the following day we watched episode six so yeah fairly recently personally i just feel bad that i don't have less to do in my life because every time someone said you watch the new episode of falcon winter soldier i'm like i totally forgot that that is a thing that comes out every week because (laughs) The, wor- the world just hasn't done that for quite some time. We usually get everything all at once, binge it all, and then we forget about it promptly the next week. Brilliant, brilliant move to keep doing that every single... I mean, Loki's coming out... It feels like Loki should come out this week at this point. They've been so consistent with doing show, show, show. Like, I feel like there should already something in the pike, and there's not going to be anything this Friday for us to talk about. We're just going to be like, oh. I think Loki is June. Is that when it comes out? I mean, I, I think so. Yeah, it's it's. I think it's going to be... Four to six weeks between Falcon Winter Soldier and Loki. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, give us some breathing room. Still, though, to be fair to everybody who may just be wanting a unbiased and unspo- uh, an unspoilery opinion of Falcon and Winter Soldier, we are going to be talking about that in the first half. No spoilers, just general thoughts about it, comparing it to other Marvel properties, and then we'll get into the more nitty-gritty as we proceed into the second half. So, uh, Sam and Paige. Which one were you looking forward to more when they announced them? Because these were both announced around the same time. WandaVision or Falcon and Winter Soldier? WandaVision. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> no, I know. I know. Me too, man. It just I think a lot of it, though, for me, was because the trailers were so vague with WandaVision. I was like, okay, but 
I need to know more. It was like Frozen. Because remember the trailers for Frozen? You didn't know about magic. You didn't know about anything. Yeah, yes. it was just Olaf and. Um, it, but you were like, I want to watch it though. I got to figure out like what it actually is. I need to know. I I, the, you know, I appreciate a trailer that does that. So many of them throw all the good jokes and scenes into three minutes yes. and then say, well, you don't need to go watch the movie anymore. Yeah. We did it for you. <laughs> um, I got to say, I, I thought um, I, whenever I, you know, when I was, excuse me. Whenever it was announced that Falcon and Winter Soldier was gonna be coming out, I'm like, yeah, give me, give me that action, give me that. Um, and then I think I'm in the same boat as you, Paige, because whenever that first trailer dropped for WandaVision, I'm like, intriguing. I must know more. What is happening? And then I think that's also why WandaVision was more of a cultural impact than Falcon and Winter Soldier, because Falcon and Winter Soldier was more action there's a little bit of intrigue and mystery but it's more action i agree with you aaron but i think there could be something more to be said about how one vision may seem to be made specifically for television an homage a love letter to television made for that sort of vibe whereas falcon and winter soldier i don't think i'm giving anything away felt more like a six hour movie that got broken up into small chunks as opposed to each episode being its own distinct bottle there are definitely memorable scenes in it, but I think the whole narrative ties together a lot more as a movie than it does as a television show. Sorry, yeah, I didn't mean to I drive felt. it all to a screeching halt. My apologies. <laughs> oh, I was about to say, that's exactly how I felt too, Liz. Like, I was more excited for WandaVision, just like for what Paige said, the intrigue, the curiosity. Like, what do these images in the trailer even mean? How does this fit into the MCU? Because they say it will. Or will it be like an alternate version of something? And also, like, I like those characters. I love Scarlet Witch. I love Vision. I wanted to see what happened there, especially because we literally saw, oh, this is a spoiler from Avengers Infinity War. We saw Vision die. I'm like, okay, so how does this happen? There's a lot of questions. Falcon Winter Soldier seemed like a pretty straightforward picking up where we left off. Steve Rogers, Captain America, again, um, Avengers Endgame spoilers, is gone. For reasons I will not say specifically. So it's uh, we're just following Sam and Bucky now. It was very straightforward, sort of just a continuation on what we've already had, except this isn't spoiling too much. Uh, because it was for television, it just felt like a lower budget version of what we'd already had with these with the Marvel movies. So there were thematically it was similar, the characters were the same, but uh in terms of the total package, it did feel different maybe even less than yeah it felt realistic and i know that's a stupid thing to say about a superhero film or television show but i feel like it's really important that falcon and winter soldier was grounded realistically that it was a standard story because while one division did deal with themes of grief very well it was highly fantastical this felt a lot like this is happening right now and because it is a, ba a more basic story, a more realistic story, it's allowed to get a lot more deep with the politics of the current climate of the world that we live in today with ideas of race and of uh, borders and terrorism, all these things that still Immigration. have... Yeah, all these things that have real impact on our world today it's allowed to take itself seriously and talk about those in, in a serious nature. That's what I got from this whole thing. This felt 
this felt more serious and more impactful than Infinity War Endgame to me. Because that was just fun. That was just fanciful. If you look at the two Disney Plus shows that we've had so far, they kind of worked it so it was a good pre-gradual introduction to the MCU post-Thanos. WandaVision, like you said, was about grief. It was really a character study about Wanda and her coming to terms with what happened and her past and herself and getting that origin story she always deserved. But they also alluded to some elements of like, oh, these characters came back from the snap. When that happened, it was really chaotic. They didn't dive into it too much. You just kind of like get a first glimpse of what coming back from the snap in that world was like. Falcon Winter Soldier expands on that and widens the lens to like the global perspective saying, okay, half the world's population is back. All this stuff is different. Um, We're trying to figure out how to readapt and put these people back where they belong, but it's tough because of things. So it's, you know, they started narrow and they ended up wide if we're looking at these two shows. For that, it was good planning. But again, I liked one of those shows a lot more than the other. <laughs> uh, Sam, did you have a similar problem that I did uh, when I was watching this and they get to the point where they're talking about uh, re-homing, repopulating, re-sorting everyone now that the everyone has come back from the blip? Um, I had this moment where I didn't understand why the people who came back after five years were the ones getting preferential treatment. And I think it's because I was trying to make the show too much of an an, uh, analogous, an analogy to current issues in our own world. I kind of felt like the people who were here, who made it through, would be the ones who would get the deferential treatment. And people who came back would be like, well, sorry, you were gone. What do you want to do? Did that ever come, like, that was something that kept going through my head. Like, I don't know what side I would be on if there is a side, but it just didn't feel like that would be how it really went down in the real world. And again stupid to compare a superhero movie to a real world. But for me, it was so hard to be like, no, that's that's absolutely not how the governments of the world would react. To be like, we're here, Dibsity. You can't come back <laughs> and now cut back in line again. <laughs> yeah, I, maybe I misunderstood what happened, but the impression I got was that those who came back from the snap were sort of left out in the cold because it's like the world had moved on after they left and started to readapt. Then suddenly they're back, and a lot of these countries didn't know what to do with these people that had returned. Like yeah. There were people who came back to find their loved ones having remarried and were living elsewhere. It's like, what do you do? Do you just like jump in and live with your ex and their new spouse or whatever? Yeah. So the governments were trying to get the people who had come back from the blip back in their old lives, in their old jobs, in their old ways, and to push out the people who had filled in the gaps previously. Yeah. Because gotcha. the whole thing was. You know, the one world, the group, this this group, this radical group um, was trying to basically or Flag Smasher, sorry, um, was trying to demolish the lines, the borders that essentially are uh, imaginary because, you know, when half of the world was just gone, then, you know, a lot of those established rules and boundaries and stuff like that were just gone as well because, People needed help. People needed assistance. And, you know, certain people stood up and said, okay, let's do that. And um, and then when everyone returned after the blip, then it was like, what do we do now? You know, we, we've just increased the population by two times. And, you know, even though certain things happened during the blip and, you know, people did lose their lives, so on and so forth. But it's essentially everyone came back. And I, my impression is that the people who came back got the preferential treatment, whereas the people who are still there 
got booted because they were getting placed into these, you know, into these refugee camps and, and then said, okay, well, you're in this camp, you know, make do, which is something that people deal with in, in the real world, not in a MCU, you know, television show. So I, I don't know which is, and, and it could be that it's both. It's people who are displaced from their lives, be it you were, you know, so alive during the blip or you got dusted. Oh, that's the question. Okay, for all of you, would you rather be the one left behind who has to live alone five years on a half-filled planet or be blipped and come back five years later to find everything's moved on without you? That is such a hard question. <laughs> like, can I say neither? That's a Sophie's me, Choice hey, kind of question. I'd rather get blipped because the idea of surviving the blip and seeing half the people you love disappear, having to go through that grief, go through all stages of grief, and then have that kind of yanked away when they're brought back, just reshaking your world again. That's, that's a lot. Whereas if you're blipped, you only have to go through a shock once instead of twice. So that's that's where I'm at. But you still have to deal with it either way. You do, yeah. But if you survive the blip, I feel like you deal with a lot more. You, you don't survive getting roasted by the dragon's fire by letting it hit you. You survive it by avoiding it as much as possible. Well, and like the in I've heard there's like head cannons. There's nothing that has been proven to be canon, but there's head cannons of like people who have said, you know, just because it's half the population doesn't mean it's half of your family you could literally be the last of your family um during that time and that's again like you go from like like you you know you're one of six children with two parents and then significant others you know there there was a thought process of like it could have been all of your family but you I think I'd have to be the one I know I hate I I know I said my biggest fear is, is living alone forever but I think that I would have to be the person who got left behind just because there is hope then that when someone comes back it's like that i'm not alone that that i can see this person again i don't think i could come back from the blip and see that my entire world my entire life just moved on without me just to think that you just you have to you can't stay there you have to move forward and just to feel like i don't belong here anymore would be a little too unsettling for me i'd well, rather fight through it it's it's like being it's essentially like being in a coma or being trapped on a desert island you know people think that you're dead or people are trying to move on without you because you essentially aren't there so you know life moves on it, you know we've seen those stories of like spies who come back home after 20 years over in Europe and then like, you know, their childhood friend is grown up and married and has three kids or, you know, their childhood best friend is, or their best friend from college is dead now because of a drunk driving accident or something like that. It's. Or your daughter is five years old or if you're Ant-Man. Yep. Ugh. Just miss out on that part of her childhood. What about you Paige? Blipped or no blipped? I don't know. This is a really depressing topic, by the way, hon. This is a really depressing show. No, I don't know great, what you want me to do here. It's a great question, though. It's such a head-scratcher. you got to really dig deep. I like it. Thank you, Sam. No, I don't mean to bring it down. I, I know we're going to get into like, some really heavy shit later, too. I, I, I know Paige's answer. Yeah, I think my gut reaction is I want to be blipped, but now after listening to Liz, I think I don't want to be blipped. There she is. Because <laughs> in me is 
someone who achieves, someone who is cunning, someone who wants to problem solve, even though I'm a Hufflepuff and you're a Slytherin. Slytherin. Stop it. <laughs> you're masquerading I'm as a Hufflepuff and you know Slytherin. it. We're all pretending to be Hufflepuffs. <laughs> I'm a Slytherin wearing a Hufflepuff clothing. <laughs> Sorry, Badger clothing. Um, anyway, I think, yeah, so I think I would want to be left behind because I'm I'm okay with moving on and I don't like I think my thing is for me specifically I think if I get blipped and if Sam thinks I'm gone forever I want him to move on and find a new gal and get married and live his life he's young and if I came back to that I would fall apart <laughs> like, I would be so sad but the you're fine day, if you I move on and find sad. a guy and live your life and then Sam comes back he's like yeah you, it's what yeah, you would have wanted for me baby it yeah, is what not. it is <laughs> oh yeah and it's like gonna come back to you and fucking Brian or whatever hey like, we could be an Iron Man family where neither of neither of us get blipped and we don't get affected at all yeah gosh how lucky <laughs> or you could be Hawkeye and literally your whole family <gasps> goes and it's yep. just you yeah could so, be that all those see, dice uh, man I knew that there was canon but I couldn't remember what it was it was Hawkeye <laughs> That I have used that quote, um, don't don't give me hope a few times in this last year, and it's just been rough. That's the that is the phrase of the year, my dude. Yeah. Oh, here's uh, and and um. It's all right. Lighten it up, please. Well, okay. Here's a question, um, and I would like to actually get back into Falcon Winter Soldier after this. Um, what would have happened if Endgame came out during COVID? Oh my God. They wouldn't have, and you know why? they still yeah, haven't released Black back. Widow. And, yep. and, and they it's clearly important enough to not release during COVID. They would have just postponed it. They would have postponed mm. it and given us a whole oh, year God. of thinking and theorizing. We it would have been Can you imagine if in between in, in in between Infinity War and Endgame is when lockdown happened. Could you imagine Oh, oh my mm. god. Mm. Like we got Infinity War in the theaters and then suddenly, oh, COVID, sorry. That would be like COVID happening after Jon Snow died. Yeah. That, yes. But, that might, that might have been better. That might have been better. That might have been a way to go, honestly. Oh my god. <laughs> if, if, the pand- if Game of Thrones was like coming out during the pandemic, I probably would have actually watched it. <laughs> I, I yeah, just, what else would there have been to do? Exactly. So we're lacking in content right now. We've passed every marker. Yeah, it's like during lockdown is when all the content they made the previous year was coming out. But now we're in that period where the lockdown and the slowdown is hitting us. So mm-hmm. there's not as much new stuff hitting us right now, I which know. is kind of nice. Netflix I... is so boring. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, you know what I've, I've been hearing is like, obviously, we've been, we've been cooped up a lot. We're locked down. Once this is over, whenever that may be, probably later than sooner, because there's a lot of idiots being selfish right now. But a lot of sociologists are saying, like, once we do finally get over the hump, it is going to be the Roaring Twenties again. People are ready to party. They are ready to go do stuff. They are ready to hang. We were supposed to do that. Partying like we have never seen before. And I'm kind of looking forward to that. I cannot wait for the first convention, which honestly, I was very skeptical if it was going to be Dragon Con in Atlanta. But the the more things are getting lifted, the more I may think that it might be happening this it's year. It's a personal choice. I still haven't decided, even fully vaccinated, if that's if that's but, even a thing. Personal choice. But it I, is a venue where a lot of people are encouraged to wear masks anyway. 
So True. Fair enough. I have this wonderful idea for a pastel plague doctor. I cannot wait to get that together because that's a cosplay I can take to any convention and feel pretty secure. Uh, Definitely. I may be toying around with a Bucky uh, cosplay myself. So, um, yeah, uh, we will see. I'm, I've got a couple uh, options that I'm toying around with right now. But um, the first night of the convention, whichever big convention happens or the first big convention that comes up, Dragon Con, Kanuga, which is not a big convention or anything like that, the party that happens is going Fire. to be epic. Like, yep. it will be, it won't be as many people. I've got a hair in my mouth. <laughs> Bless well, you, I mean, Aaron. I mean, Only right. you are it's true enough, enough to like, share what's happening. Yeah. Well, I think want our listener. Of, there think it about is. the Roaring Twenties of 100 years ago. In 1919, we had the Spanish flu pandemic. We had World War One right before that. People were locked down. And afterwards, there was economic activity. People were getting out. They were ready to party. We've got the same sort of thing going for us, except now we got smartphones. And, it's, and that's the only difference. That only. is the only difference. Literally the only difference. It's been a rough five or six years. I'm ready to party hardy. I'm ready to let loose. Ugh. I okay. Uh, are we are we at halftime? Because I really want to get into some oh, spoiler territory. Oh my god! I, like we haven't even like talked about our. I know, I know, reaction. but I really want to talk about it. I want to go on a lot of tangents, guys. My yeah. Bad. Okay. So if okay, so before we go into spoilers, um, let's not compare it to One Division. I don't think that's a fair assessment. No, I think they're two entirely different shows. But if we're looking at this show... See, again, I can't even say, would you recommend watching it? Of course you're going to watch it. What else is there? <laughs> okay, but why would you recommend... Spoiler free, sure. why would you recommend someone watch the show? And I, I, have, I, have, a, I have a great reason, um, locked and loaded. But Paige is her hand raised. I'm going to let Paige go first. Because it is ushering in the new leaders for the Avengers. And you get to see that, like, beginning story. I like that. Um, it's funny. It's like a glass half empty, half full thing. Because my reason is just picking up where we left off with those characters that we've grown to love. Sort of a continuation of the older story. Even though I, Steve was one of my favorite characters. I know. He was my favorite. Yeah. But yeah, just because I've grown to like Bucky and Sam, you know, any any uh, fictionalized version of a Sam, I'm going to support and love <laughs> unconditionally. Uh, Even though he's not chubby and a sidekick, I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's I mean, he's a great character. And I honestly believe this show is perfect because in the same vein that WandaVision gave a lot more agency to, you know, Scarlet Witch and Vision. And allowed them to flourish when we really only had certain scenes to allow them to flourish. Not, you know, in six hour, six plus hours to let them flourish. It's the same thing with uh, Falcon Winter Soldier with Bucky and Sam. Because Sam is such a deeper and more complex character now with, you know, him and his sister. And him and uh, a character that we'll get into a little bit later on. And then Bucky. That's my reason is Bucky, I love Sam. I love the story that they told with this. I'm going to protect Bucky for like with my with my life because he is a freaking adorable. And like, there's so many like appreciation posts for Sebastian San or excuse me Stan and his Stan stands. 
Yeah, exactly. It's it's so in the air in and their interactions. Like it's so nice to see this character get taken appropriately serious. And he's and he's been the focus of not one but two movies. Mm-hmm. And it, it's it's great. And I loved his interactions with, you know, Steve Rogers, but his interactions with Sam is I don't want to say it's more genuine because it's not, but it's a different kind of genuine. Uh, for me, I'm going to piggyback off of what Sam said for my reason, uh, that it deals with the ramifications of this universe. But not only that, it deals with the ramifications of our universe. And for the first time, I felt like these are real people. Like, I cared about them, and I cared about their journeys and their character arcs, and if they would defeat the bad guy and save the world. Um, but in a way that Civil War Civil War failed to do, this succeeds in making me realize that there are genuine consequences within this universe that have direct implications for how we can live our lives as well. And that is absolutely quarantine brain talking, be the best you can be and all that stuff. But I really feel like it's important when our big studios talk about this stuff. Because representation matters, god damn it. <laughs> so, and um, and I think that's a great place to kind of stop and go into halftime, but I completely agree. And the stories that they decided to tell with the show, WandaVision is a, a little bit more of an entertaining show. The stories that Falcon and Winter Soldier decided to tell is much more deep and impactful. Mm-hmm. I think it's yeah, it's... WandaVision is one woman's story, and the Falcon and the Winter Soldier is the world's story. That's a great way to put that, Paige. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. So... Hands in the air for my page. <laughs> we could all That's take a page I... out of her book. Ah! Oh, God. Uh... Speaking of wedding hashtags. But <laughs> uh... Jeff. <laughs> All right, so that I think that's a great pun to end on for not end, but go into <laughs> halftime with. So let's go into the sponsor dome. Two sponsors enter, one sponsor leaves. Our uh, first sponsor, our reigning champion, as always, is oh, I, yeah, there it is. Um, <laughs> Who is it again? Audible. Uh, Audible is offering our uh, listeners a free audiobook with a 30 day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com slash married to the idea. And browse the unmatched selection of audio programs, download a title free, and start listening. It's that easy. Go to audibletrial.com slash married to the idea to get started today. Why Audible? Audible content includes an unmatched selection of audiobooks, original audio shows, news, comedy, and more from leading audiobook publishers, broadcasters, and entertainers. And we're actually going to throw it over to Sam and Paige for our book re- recommendation. Yeah, so the last audio book that we listened to on a lovely road trip was one by Rachel Bloom. And if you don't know who that is, she was in a little CW show called Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, which is one of Sam and I's most beloved shows. It is perfect from start to finish. That's all I can say. If you haven't seen it, also go watch that. (laughs) But more importantly, (laughs) go listen to Rachel Bloom's book, I Want to Be Where the Normal People Are. Because it is fantastic. If, if you know anything about Rachel Bloom, she's also a very musical person. She sings, and she sings in the audiobook, whereas you would just be reading that in a book. So oh, that's definitely go listen to that, because it is 
a delight from start to finish. You'll be crying laughing. It's amazing. Oh, yeah, for context, it's uh, basically a memoir of her life up to this point. So she, of course, puts her own spin on it. She's got a lot of insight and a lot of strong feelings. So hearing that conveyed through her voice, and she narrates it, is wonderful. Um, yeah, I've been a fan of hers for a long time. I was a fan of hers actually from YouTube days. And I heard she was making a TV show, and I'm like, oh, this will probably be, be fun. She's fun. Let's see this. <laughs> and that, yeah, you're right, Paige. It's one of my favorite shows. And yeah. the book is no exception. And it has zero filter. So just know that going in. <laughs> yeah, it's great. There's talk of sex. There's talk of feces. There's talk of all of it. So just kinda, be prepared. It kind of reminds me of um, uh, Yes, Please by uh, Amy Poehler. Amy Poehler. That one, that was one of the last audiobooks I listened to as well. And it was really well done. But she had inserts from like the guy who created Parks and Rec or helped create Parks and Rec and um, uh, Michael. What? Seth Myers, too. Oh, yeah, yeah. He had all those people in there and like in her father, too, at one point. And then she even had them record their own audio. And it was just it was so well done. I think all memoirs should be done that way. Like, if at all possible, to hear it read about the person's life in the person's voice. Like, that just sounds really cool. I think I want to do Tina Fey next, because I love Amy Poehler. And I, uh, Tina Fey is one I really, really enjoy. Amy Poehler, I've actually watched Parks and Rec, but I've not watched, like, 30 Rock or anything like that. But I enjoy Tina Fey's work. So, I know. <laughs> hey, we, we, at least Stop what get... you're doing and watch 30 Rock right now. we got to stop this podcast. Oh, I love I'm 30 sorry, Rock. Everybody. We've got to stop. What? Really? Yeah. I watched it all the time when I was in college. You, we, this has never been said. Yeah. I, or at least to me, to me. Uh, Still learning new things about each other every day. Yeah, Aww. exactly. Well, it was like one of the few shows that I could watch with the guys because otherwise I'd watch South Park or horror movies and I was not there for either of those. Okay, Ryan was the one doing horror movies. I, I was just doing South Park. Right? I know. Oh, yeah, Ryan and I could talk about horror all damn day. Um, uh, right ahead. Paige, you'll be, you'll be happy <laughs> to know we did get into, we're in season one of uh, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Yeah. It's fantastic. Awesome. I think yeah. we're on episode four or five. Uh, somewhere in the first season we kind of have to take it an episode at a time because it is such a production it's not something you can like just sit there and binge i appreciate that i can't binge it yeah yeah you shouldn't binge it and each season is so well planned out and literally each character each you know title character or whoever's in the main credits their arcs are great so amazing Except one, which was kind of cut short, but we won't spoil that. Oh, no, we will not. Thank you. We appreciate it. Oh, yeah, our cat would probably don't want it to be spoiled either. These are really good mics, babe. We couldn't hear the cats before. No, I'm I'm very, I'm very happy, but I've, I've still got some adjustments on these mics to make, especially with you. Um, so, uh, yes, uh, Rachel Bloom's uh, I Want to Be Where the Normal People Are. You can get that on audibletrial.com slash married to the idea. You can get it for free. Um, if you use that code and you get a 30 day trial membership, um, and it is four hours and 51 minutes. So that's not too bad. That's a good little road trip. That's book. a good road trip. Yeah, super quick. And you should definitely zoom in on her shirt because of what's on it. Not on because co- of her amazing breastage. Uh, <laughs> Although that's an added bonus. It is. It is. Aaron is staring is so intently. At it the looks phone like right Betty now. boobs, but I can't. But as who? Five women. 90s oh it's um the spice girls oh fantastic yes. that's awesome <laughs> the spice girls was betty boop was which was an actual shirt that she apparently owned oh that's <laughs> very very good you know what with some of the betty boop artwork like we were on a cruise ship and uh 
there was like this art auction and there's a Betty Boop for like the White Sox and our buddy Derek actually like straight up bought it. It wasn't that expensive. He bought like like a poster print essentially, but he bought it for my mother who kind of likes Betty Boop a little bit, but she's a Boston fan kind of. So Red Sox, not White Sox. Oh, yeah. Bless his heart. He, he, he tried. Dry. He's like, you know, like White Sox because your mom likes Boston. I'm like, that's the Red Sox. But I've, I've well, felt so Well, that guy's defense, they all just say go Sox. So it's hard to tell. Yeah, yeah. but there's only one true Sox, and it is the Red Sox. And I'll defend that till my dying This ain't a sports podcast, Aaron. I don't know what we're talking about anymore. <laughs> uh, so, well, we are talking about our challenger, uh, Kobe's Photography. I don't know if you follow Aaron on TikTok, but he has been sharing some of Colby's work there. We have been doing several photo shoots with Colby, who is like possibly the most influential and just experienced photographer in the Knoxville area. Again, we love to go local with these things. Uh, We have been doing recently uh, dressing up in our cosplays, going out into downtown Knoxville and having assistants just swing giant lightsabers behind us and firecrackers and putting sparks off our gauntlets it has been so cool everyone looks like we're traveling out of a time portal into our world and it's really cool to see behind the scenes stuff uh so if you follow aaron aaron what is your tiktok uh bus no a professional aaron a professional aaron uh because we did get asked as we were all posing they're like what what's your name so I can follow you and see what you're doing? Because to my eye, it looks like you're all just being a bunch of nerds out here in the dark with a bunch of Spanglers. And They're not called Spanglers. What are they called? Sprinklers? Sparklers. sparklers. Thank you. I've uh, been in quarantine for way too long. <laughs> Samuel, if you'll check your phone, I just sent you a picture. Um, oh, boy. Uh, Actually, I gotta confess, I have the NFL draft going on my phone right now. <laughs> This is more important than the NFL draft, especially because like it's going to be 20 minutes of just them anticipating who it might be and then five seconds of them announcing it. Oh, check that out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mr. Wilson. <gasps> yes. Yeah, so oh yeah. So you can now say thank you. That that, that reaction was earned. Yes. So I wow. sent him. I sent him the one of the me. Draft. <laughs> what? He said it both, this is but... way better than the NFL. See, draft. I told you. It makes you smile, doesn't it? For one thing, this is great uh, podcast content right here, talking about. I know these visuals. Um, so, if you want to check out some behind-the-scenes footage, check out the photography that Colby is doing, and maybe reach out to him. Check out Aaron's TikTok, a professional Aaron, for some behind-the-scenes stuff. And if you want to check out Colby's work, Aaron, where can they find Colby's work? Uh, Colby'sPhotography.com. He is available for a lot of different things, but try to book him. Don't try to get him last minute. He is a very busy man. I just found out that the professional photos my father had for the franchise he runs were done by Colby, and they looked really good. So. <laughs> Nice. No, uh, is they, that Colby with a K or with a C? With a, with C. a C. Thank you, Paige. C-O-L-B-Y apostrophe S photography. You're so cheese, good. Cheese, 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 cheese. That's the one. All right. We're getting into spoiler town now. So if you haven't gone and watched this, what are you doing? You're only six hours of your life. You weren't going <laughs> to solve world hunger anyway. And how are you not on Facebook? And how are you not on Facebook? Let's not start with the end. Let's just start with like the moment that shit got real. For me, uh, it was when it was when this fake Captain America stood with a bloody shield over a man he had just killed in cold blood as America and the world washed with their cell phones. Like that was more terrifying 
than anything Marvel has given me yet. That was bone chilling. That dude's name is literally Johnny Walker. Yep. <laughs> what he, was it when he first came out in the end of the very first episode? People were saying like, "Oh, Cap, why did, Cap is back. Cap is back. Why does why does this look like a racist version of Captain America? What's wrong with it? There's something off." When you order your Captain also, America from Wish, Wait, that is a tall actor. Yes, when he has the helmet on. He looks five feet tall. Yes, yes. is that just me? No, no, it, I uh, completely agree. Yeah, completely. And he's not—he's not, he's not also, an attractive man, but he looks unattractive in this. Bless him. It's—it's <laughs> it's something with the chin strap. Yeah. Anyways, kind of picking, piggybacking off of what Liz was saying, I thought that's the moment where he was gonna go full big bad, mm-hmm. and he was gonna be the thing to beat at the end. You know? Yeah. Well, there's still time. He's uh, a US guess. agent now. Yes. Yeah. But so I was like, oh. kind of like john walker i know he's he's not impressive enough to be a big bad you kidding me no he is a sidekick at best yeah he's he's the henchman or something like that or the yeah he's gonna get help with julia sorry val (laughs) don't call me that god can we talk about the villains though like baron zemo comes back I'm here for Zemo dancing. That was probably the funniest. You and the internet. Oh, my the, God. The memes on that were, uh, release the Snyder Cut. We will never release it. It's in a vault somewhere in the center of the earth, and we'll never share it. Release the Zemo dance cut. Here you go. Immediately. Here's all of his footage of him dancing in the club like an awkward white man. Here you go. She's literally dancing in a chair, and a cat is next to her. I looked at her like, how dare you interrupt my sleep? He often looks that way at me. Uh, we get... Uh, probably my favorite two new villains, Julia Louise Dreyfus, and I don't have any comic book knowledge besides what Aaron's been telling me about how this is the Dark Avengers, uh, but she's great, super fun, and uh, freaking, freaking Sharon Carter. One, her auntie would be so displeased with the way she's Peggy been would bitch slap the fuck out of her. But two. Thank you, Disney, for finally giving us a female villain that's just allowed to be a villain and doing it just because they want the money and not for some moralistic high ground reason that eventually they can be turned on. It's like, nah, she's just a capitalist. She's just... But I don't buy her as a villain. Oh, that's unfortunate. Like, as an actress, like, acting in the role? Oh, okay. That's why I like it. baggage with that actress. Okay, so describe your baggage. Everwood. She was in, wait, Everwood, the CW show? Yeah. Oh. Uh, I don't know. Sorry. Do I need to Google that real quick and make sure I'm right? Maybe. <laughs> Go uh, ahead. Yeah, yeah we. Yeah, she uh, was in Revenge, but she was the good person in Revenge. Oh, is that I where mean, the G was an eight? Oh, yeah. Well, the G was an eight because I think it was like no the idea. eighth season. Um, For me, Paige, you, you tell me why after you Google this. For me, the reason why I like that she's unbelievable as a bad guy is because Immediately, everyone sees her in this high-rise in the middle of this Far East country with hundreds of millions of dollars of stolen artwork around her. And no one ever says, do you, th- do you, do you think she's the power broker? And they're all just like, oh, pretty girl, soft face, blonde hair, can't be bad, no villain. And then just like, pardon me, baby, I'm back. I'm here. Let's do this. They telegraphed that reveal so much early on. It was like the le- it was the worst kept secret of that show. <laughs> <laughs> like if they had said like Carly, the uh, main person from the Flag Smashers, if she was actually the power broker, that would have been a bigger reveal. Or if someone with the Flag Smashers was actually the or I and and I did toy around with this theory. John Walker, 
I actually toyed around that he might be the power broker. Him or Zemo, but, like, not because of, you know, male versus female. It's just, you know, attitudes. But then when he, like, took the super super soldier serum, then I was like, oh, yeah, he definitely isn't. Yeah, no. Yeah. yeah. There was a, do you guys watch the Pitch Meetings series on Screen Rant? Yes. It's this comedian who does, like, pitch meetings between a writer and a yes! producer. But Gosh. Like, wow, 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 wow. Yeah. Wow, 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 wow. But anyway, wow. he... His comment on that whole power broker thing was like, okay, so there's this guy, the power broker, and he's got a bunch of money and crazy access to stuff. Oh, that's intriguing. Okay, and then we're going to run into Sharon Carter. She's got a bunch of money and crazy access to stuff. Is she the power broker? What? No. (laughs) It sounds like she kind of is. No, she's not. Okay, then. And then it's revealed later. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I'm like, that's exactly it. Like, this funny dude. It. Yeah, no. The pitch meeting uh, uh, shorts, that is probably the smallest overlap of what my parents watch on YouTube and what we watch on YouTube. That it, like, there's like a That's little bit. That's the Venn bit, diagram. But there is that one little slice of, you know, random and, YouTube humor. And people getting hit in the testicles with brakes. I mean, it's like, it's it's that in funny videos. Stupid, yeah, stupid <laughs> video, ca- stupid people caught on video. Yeah. Uh, I, I honestly don't care. Because I love that we all knew it and that the people in this universe are just so blind to not even consider the possibility that maybe she is. What if woman was evil? No. No. Impossible. Yeah. No. But I feel like everyone kind of saw that coming either way. Like, that's the thing. Talking about the villains, like, you're going to hear me say a lot of comments about how I was really underwhelmed with this show. To me, the most interesting character of this whole series was Zemo. Because seeing him again was interesting, especially with Bucky, given their history. Also, co- given where he's coming from, having a very legitimate reason to distrust enhanced beings like super soldiers, like uh, super powered people, like super suited people. Like, he- he's got a lot of good reasons. And now that I know he's also got a lot of resources and he was out of prison for a little bit. And the way he uses his charm and charisma and manipulation to get through stuff. It was, I liked it. And plus, you know, the way Brule played the character, he's such a great actor. It was very intriguing. Beyond that, everyone else just was just kind of generic and stale. I see. That's where I disagree because there are some incredible acting performances in this. I think both uh, Sebastian Stan and. Um, uh, you can do it. Anthony Mackie. Anthony Mackie. Mackie. Damn it. Anthony Mackie. Tony Mack. <laughs> Uh, I think they both mac and cheese. Mac and cheese. Uh, I think they both had some incredible moments, like when Bucky finally was free of the the Winter Soldier, or at least the the trigger words and everything like that. That was a big yeah, moment. And yeah, they... yeah, I misspoke, Aaron. Like, it's not. I'm not saying like the other actors had dry, bland performances. I just thought the writing, the story, the overall arc of the show to oh, me. The directing, yeah, it was all just kind of, it felt generic to me. Like, coming from WandaVision, which was so clever, again, apples to oranges, it's not a fair comparison, but getting something very unique and made for TV, coming to this show, well, it just felt like a watered-down version of those great movies we've had for 11, 12 years. As far as that goes, I will say that the one downfall of WandaVision was the ending where she finally releases control of all these people in the town and um freaking uh, i'm sorry what's her new superhero name scarlet witch what no you... not scarlet witch the other 
Oh, Photon? Photon, thank you. And she's like, it, you know, they'll never understood the sacrifice that you made. And I'm like, actually, no, it doesn't matter the sacrifice she made. She gave up imaginary family for controlling their dreams and giving them their nightmares for months at a time. But no, you they were real to her. Either which way, the show kind of That's fumbles. Me, it, it, the show kind of fumbles in that regard, saying, "Oh, your sacrifice makes it worth what you did to these people," which was torture. So it kind of stumbled there. For me, I do like the ending for this because Carly gets defeated and he brings her body back. And at that point, he just like stops and looks at him like, "Have you ever stopped to consider why in the world half?" of the population of earth is mad at you and rallied around this one girl enough to try and kidnap you and force your hand like did you even consider for a second what you're doing and for me it was nice for someone to take somebody else to task just enough to be like actually no this isn't okay and while i'm mad that carly died because i really wanted more of that character just because it seemed oh, like they were i knew she wasn't gonna survive i, I know but i don't it's... know why i just well... Because she was happy to die. she It didn't matter to her. Yeah. It felt like they were building up something so much, but there was a point between episode four and episode five where it felt like her character just completely devolved. I loved it to a point where all of a sudden Zemo says, she will never be truly good because she's enhanced. And suddenly she just started fulfilling everything he said, whereas before I got where she was going. I know, it's probably when she blew up all those people. Then I'm like, ah, well... One thing you touched on, like the ending with that speech, I would, I would like that is one of the strong parts of the show that I'm glad they addressed. But let's bring it back to another part of the show, which I was happy they did, where they talked about Isaiah Bradley. Yes, that is one thing where, first of all, I want to say we are four white people and we're talking about this part of the show, which was, you know, it's I'm sure a person of color might have different opinions about how they handled this topic on the show or ways it could have been improved, but I can only speak to my experience as a fan of the show and as a you know casual viewer, like, you know, from the white side looking in. Um, I'm glad they addressed that. Like, one, kind of acknowledging a real historical thing where the U.S. Army experimented on African-American soldiers, and there's a comic book equivalent to that in Isaiah. Also, the idea of Sam Wilson becoming Captain America in the comics at a certain point, it might have been pretty, like, more straightforward, but... Given the America we know, the America we live in, the America that every black man and woman has grown up in since 1619, it's very different. So the idea of a black man putting on the Stars and Stripes, that resonates differently than someone like Steve putting on the Stars and Stripes. Honestly, this is my ignorance coming through. That's something I never really thought about until Sam starts talking about it with Isaiah. I mean, Sam said he didn't want to pick up the shield because of what it means and, like, it's Steve's and he doesn't feel worthy. But, like... There was a whole other dynamic there that I'm glad the show touched on. Yeah, I think like Marvel to this point was doing colorblind casting where it's like, what racism? We all get along. Best person for the job. And it was nice at this point for them to be like, you know, it actually isn't like that. And we're going to talk about it and we're going to admit this because you can't well, just Sam put up. was black in the comics. He was. Sorry, oh. sorry. Let I... Sorry. Let me back it up here. Marvel is talking about its universe as if there wasn't any racism right. to be found in okay. a way that just doesn't ring true to our present experience. Yes, Paige. I think that this part of the show was probably the best part of the show. But do you think Disney would have done this if it wasn't for 2020? I just have to ask that question. 
That's a good question. I th- um, shows I, take a while to produce. Yeah, and they they didn't stop or st- conf- sorry, they didn't finish filming this until maybe halfway through 2020, if that early. Like I want to say this was done at well. They had to have finished before quarantine really hit. We were seeing teaser trailers in 2019 for this show. Yeah. Yeah, but I don't think it was complete at that point. And they didn't pull a Brooklyn Nine-Nine or anything? Well, either way, like, they, Disney right now is in an era with, you know, Colin Kaepernick, BLM, like, a lot of very public, you know, displays of demanding equality. Your question is, would Disney have done this in, say, um, you know, 2005? Sure. Yeah, well, I think well, no, that's a very good question, Paige. I don't, I don't think it would have one. I don't think they would have done it, but two, I don't think they would have thought it would have mattered the way it matters now. Now, yeah, I think there is some influence from twenty twenty because I mean, uh, okay, I I don't think I'm the like, resident comic book knowledge expert because Liz is probably can blow my ass no, out of the water ahead. now, but uh, there is precedent. In the comic books, because Sam does take over the mantle. Actually, it was a very big thing when Sam took over the mantle because there's been some very big storylines that have happened in the Marvel uh, comic universe. Um, And Sam has been Captain America for that. Like, there was a second Civil War, um, and the main two players was Sam as Captain America and actually um, Captain Marvel were the two opposing sides. Um, But the, the big thing is, is that it happened, but it, I don't think it happened since, or it wasn't as early as 2005. I want to say it was actually somewhere in the the 2010s that I, he took over that mantle, that Steve Rogers was no yeah. longer that. I will say that the comic book industry, it, what, for being mired in its ways, is dealing with some pretty advanced social topics that DC and Marvel movies are not still not touching like there are tons of gay superheroes and no one's making oh films no about that yes oh yeah sorry i was gonna say no one's making a fuss about that oh people no, are making clearly a they, fuss well i mean yeah everyone's gonna make a fuss it's yeah. always a big but to i think do. My, my question was answered that like yes of course they were done filming this like before george floyd you know which i think was like the huge ramp up you know it's not like they were filming after the yeah. summer riots or yeah, yeah. I, I don't. It, I don't think they were. I take it more honestly than at that point to think that they had it done and then this happened. Yeah, one, that, it makes it better. <laughs> it's not a ploy. They weren't like, and now we can cap. Like you, I mean, that's the thing. You can't capitalize on fixing racism. You can capitalize on being a girl boss and getting girls like Disney princesses, but you can't capitalize on systemic racism. Like there's. There's no way to make that cool to buy because you have to then admit we really fucked up for the past 400 years. My theory is that the Isaiah Isaiah Bradley storyline was always there because he was actually in the comics. Um, I think it was always there, but I think they brought it to a bigger light because beyond their first interaction with him, um, only... Sam sees him in any other scenes after that. So there's like, I think three or four times that they interact again yeah. um, during the series and it's only Sam. So there's possible that they had brought him up, but then they're like, well, we'll, you know, maybe do a couple things with him. But I think that they did maybe ramp it up because of that. You know, maybe they're like extra scenes brought on, but honestly, 
I agree. Those are some of the strongest scenes in the whole series. You know, my love for Bucky, notwithstanding. But they, honestly, the gentleman who plays Isaiah Bradley turned into hell of a performance. And Sam, I, there were times when Sam would speak to other characters, actually, weirdly enough, outside of Bucky too, that it seemed like kind of Anthony Mackie was just being Anthony Mackie playing the Falcon or, or Sam. But when he was interacting with um, Isaiah Bradley and sometimes with Bucky, it was the most genuine that character felt to me. The 50 minutes they spent fixing up that shrimp boat was probably my favorite part of that entire show. <laughs> and I, I will take no further questions. Uh, because it, and <laughs> it's just so wholesome. It's just so freaking wholesome. One of the more impactful scenes to kind of kind of sidestep around you know this very heavy topic that we're talking about um for me was uh i think that was actually our original topic um was when they have to fight john walker in episode four or five and um literally beating people with you know other people um and bucky gets the shield away from walker by breaking his arm and then holding it for a second and then giving it to Sam. Like that was huge in my mind. Cause that could have been the moment he's like, you don't deserve this mantle. I do. But he, he felt like he never deserved it because he never felt like he was up to that mantle. If a show can change my mind. Also Steve I... gave Sam the shield. Exactly. Like he had said repeatedly, like Steve gave you that shield. Why did you give it back? There was a reason he gave it to you. Mm-hmm. And, and- whether it was because of a higher principle or because Bucky just loves Steve that much and wants to honor his wish, that was a huge moment there, and you're right. There, yeah, there was, yeah, because Bucky, or Winter Soldier, has also taken up the mantle in the comics, so that's where I was like, Walking. oh, oh. Kind of like when What's-His-Face, who became War Machine, was like, next time, maybe, and then they changed actors. Uh, Walking into the show, I was certain that Bucky should be Captain America, and the show effectively changed my mind which i consider to be a hallmark of a good show i was certain that i had it right that bucky was the one who would truly take up steve's mantle and cause just from being from that time i I truly felt in my heart of hearts and then the more that the show progressed the more it became obvious that it should be sam and i love sebastian stan and he is Captain America's girlfriend and he should have all rights, but <laughs> I will, I will let it slide. I'll... There, there was a moment there. Uh, and I even found a deeper appreciation after somebody pointed something out with this, uh, the scene when Sam is talking to Carly after the funeral that she had. Um, and he is talking to her. He said something. And I, I, I'm forgetting the line, but he said something that I'm like, that's Captain America. Captain America is not using the shield and beating people up. It's knowing when you fight and when you don't. And that's why Steve Rogers was Captain America, because he knew he knew when to talk and when to fight, because he 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 had the mentality and the morality to say, this is not a fight. This is a conversation. Sam did the same thing. He he, he didn't have the legs right under him at that moment, but it also brought back to his training on helping, you know, with PTSD and helping veterans get back into the world. You know, when we met, met him in uh winter soldier, it's it, it, like, there was that scene and there's a smaller 
And then how bit. even Steve starts doing PTSD for survivors, just like Sam was doing. Because he's people. honoring Sam's legacy. Um, but there's a moment when he is yep. talking to Carly and he turns his back on her, showing. Oh, I'm so sorry, Paige. I, I just saw this like on Facebook or something like that. They're like, he will say it. She has, she has a different, a different, she has a different interpretation, but say your piece. Ooh. Oh, okay. oh, okay. Cause, um, because I, I, I cannot claim credit to that. Um, the other parts, I was like, that's Captain America. But when he turned his back to her, the person who interpreted it interpreted it as a sign of trust. Like, I trust you enough to turn my back. I'm not wearing my suit. I don't have a shield. I don't even have a gun. I'm talking to you person to person. But how do you interpret it, Paige? It's like something a hostage negotiator might do. Exactly. But you're saying... Yeah, no, my thing was like, okay, I get y'all are unarmed. Y'all are just talking. You're one-on-one. Don't turn your back on a super soldier (laughs) who is totally fine with blowing people up. That's just not smart. I totally get it. It was a trust. It was a a building a relationship thing. I get that. But that was also the same episode where you have John Walker, like, going down some stairs and yelling, like, a block away to um, Anthony Mackie and Sebastian (laughs) Stan. I'm like, maybe just, like, walk up to them, then start talking? I don't know. I had a lot of directorial issues with that episode, so I think that was just, like, on my list, you know? Yeah, since we didn't read into the the deeper meaning of yeah. showing your back to someone you're trying to gain the trust of, it seemed like, in the moment, it just seemed like a weird directing choice, but <laughs> the reason you pointed out, Aaron, that's a good yeah, one. Yeah, it makes sense. We'll take that and we'll, we'll, we'll pretend that they intended it that yeah. way. <laughs> I think that also goes along the lines with, I know that Sebastian Stan performed beautifully in his, I'm out of my head shit. I'm staring into the fire and you you're, you can say the words, but I'm going to be okay. I'm not going to kill anybody. I think he performed that wonderfully, but it just didn't like the editing or the writing or I don't know. It just didn't land for me. I felt like it was because it was a static shot with no movement. Yes, but like I'm gonna compare it to another movie. Have y'all seen Bohemian Rhapsody? Yes. Oh my god, that yes, was so that was good. It. Yeah. So I know a lot of people like it. I like Rocket Man a lot better about Elton John. But the whole time I was ro- watching Bohemian Rhapsody, I was like. Hit me in the feels, hit me in the feels, hit me in the feels. And I never got hit in the feels. Paige, and that's I'm with what made you. Me mad at 100%. It. And I didn't get hit in the feels when Bucky was crying into the fire. And it made me sad. Wait, hang on. You're talking about when he, um, when he, when, when the Winter Soldier, when he, when he no, how, oh, and see, I got the feels, but probably not as strong as they were hoping for. I, I, I would agree with that. Because, like, uh, Bohemian Rhapsody, I loved it. I, I think I enjoyed it more for the performance. Uh, I'm forgetting his name that who played um, Freddie Mercury actually played. I, I enjoyed it more for his performance than I felt like I was watching Freddie Mercury on screen. Um, I but think again, I think that's what Paige is saying. It's not even the acting that's bad. It's the, the direction, the cinematography. No, like it's wonderfully performed. But it's either the writing or the directing or the editing. It's something isn't connecting with my soul. I feel like that was one of those situations where it was like 
it was a short shooting day. They were low on time, low on budget. They're like, okay, we're just going to do this in a soundstage. No background, just dark lighting, two characters in costume, minimal camera shots. We're going to do this in a wide and two close-ups. That's it. And that's, you know, they couldn't really explore the space a little yeah, more which visually. makes it even more impressive if that is what the case was that sebastian stan could pull that out of oh, nowhere well, that's his job you know yeah yeah but you want that scene done right i just wanted i wanted to cry no and i didn't cry you want that scene done right it's a Speaking of, michael fassbender x-men first class oh moving God, the satellite dish yeah that's that scene yes mm -hmm. yeah Speaking of, we've talked a lot about Sam's arc and Sam's development and Sam's growth as a character in this series. We haven't talked as much about Bucky other than crying into a fire. Um, there was a lot of stuff there, like him coming to terms with everything and trying to make amends and no longer being the Winter Soldier. What does that mean for him now? You know, I thought the show touched on it. Um, I would have liked to explore it a little more, but I guess they did what they could with the time they had. I did. I just heard something and again i want to take credit for this uh one thing can't do everything this show i think was very specifically designed to talk about mostly racism or the impact that has on our world around us or our the perception of america in the world it it had or immigration it had a lot of stuff on its plate to also then effectively tell ptsd trauma I, I don't think it could do everything. I don't think one thing should do everything. Would I have liked to see more about Bucky? Yeah. But I also know he's had three other movies all centered around him specifically. Uh, I do like his interaction with the Wakandans. Anytime they were both on yeah. screen, I really enjoyed that chemistry that they had between them. And I really did like... I Again, I think he was my favorite character just to see him like say, I've done all this. I've been down this road. You can't change my mind i know where this path leads i know what's going to happen here his his dourness his inability to work with his therapist <laughs> yeah, that's the other thing one thing i did not like about this show is one bucky had the world's worst therapist she sucked second i wasn't really sure why in this series at this point sam and bucky still have this animosity toward each other in the beginning other than just having different personalities. Like, I know they tried to play that up for comedy in some situations, but it just seemed like, guys, you've been through a lot more than this together. Well, like, this I think hatchet they do. should be buried by now. What the hell? I think they do play it up a little bit in, or they do explain it because, like, it is obvious because at one point Sam says, you know, I've texted you a few times or I've messaged you a few times and you've not answered. And, you know, Bucky just does his, you know, like eye roll with no response, uh, you know, quip or uh, response or sorry, response that he does. Um, and then later on, yeah, see, like he, he says all that and it's it's played up for comedy, but it is explained in the therapy session between the two of them, because he says. If you give up the shield then you're not good enough. You dumb cat. Um, if you're not good enough, then Steve wasn't good enough. And if Steve wasn't good enough, I'm not good enough. And it's like, it was, it was a progression because he was feeling that basically by Sam saying, I'm not good enough for the shield, even though Steve himself had said, you're the next person I want to have the shield. Both these men were in love with the same man and trying to honor this man 
and each of them has completely different ways of how to honor this yeah. man effectively. And that's the rift. That's the grudge. If the show wasn't about that, I would say the same thing as Sam. They were just tightening it for no reason. But the show is implicitly about that. And so I buy it a lot more that the tension between them is based on that. And and I think, too... Yeah, I think that's the tension, sure. But they seemed like they just hated each other. I don't just, think or they... just shy of it. I was like, yeah, just be grown-ups. Just stop, stop this. I don't think they Lucky hated each other. I feel like they, they just, like, they were not happy with each other like sam felt kind of betrayed or you know like whenever he said like hey you know you know he he didn't he probably didn't reach out to bucky like what should i do kind of thing or like you know what is your opinion on what i should do and you know bucky would have probably said you know honor honor steve the best that you can by either doing what's right by the shield or doing what's right by steve and i don't know if that was why bucky or sam was upset but i think sam was upset because you know, well, beyond, you know, the freaking bank being racist to him and saying that, well, we're not going to approve you, but, oh, because you're the Black Falcon, you know, it's okay, or the Falcon, it's okay. Um, the, the fact of, I think Bucky was hurt deeply by Sam giving the shield away. He wasn't at the ceremony. Um, he hadn't talked to uh, Sam in a while, and I think there was some animosity because of that. I don't think Bucky was mad that Steve or that. Yeah. Steve chose Sam. I think Bucky was mad that he just, he felt that he got the shield and then just kind of immediately gave it up like, Oh, thanks. And then throws it away. I think that's where that animosity comes from. Disappointed with Sam because Sam gave up the shield. That makes sense. Sam was disappointed with Bucky because Bucky wasn't texting him back. He wasn't communicating because who, if you don't have Steve Rogers, who is the closest person to Steve Rogers that you could possibly have? Bucky. Yep. Like, that is the close. It's He's not Steve. And, and he would never say to, that he to is. to connect with people. Exactly. And and Sam probably yeah, genuinely it's, tried. It's a case of... Sorry. Go ahead. Oh, should I go? Okay. I was just going to say it's the simple case of two people losing the closest person in their life to a point. I know that Sam has family. But <laughs> and then in one small way or another, either one of them disappointing each other. So it makes that wound that much bigger. Yeah. And, I'm and not... then what do you do to the people who you love the most? You, hurt you them. treat them the worst. Yeah. You know, especially when you're in pain. This is WandaVision stuff. Like, okay, and, fair enough. And, and and I'm not trying to, like, just poke holes in what you're what you're seeing there, Sam. I, I, I please understand that. Um, we're probably just talking the same thing about like the the story is there and the acting is there but the writing isn't supporting it there's there are some weeks yeah, i'm saying that sorry <laughs> I, I was agreeing i was saying there are some weak points in this there was some great shots cinematography wise but then there, it did feel and i think that's what helped enhance that it felt realistic because the sh- movies are shot wonderfully hell even wandavision had some incredible cinematography um, I think I said to you at one point, I'm like, this is amazing for a television show. Um, or it was either that or Doom Patrol or both. I, <laughs> I'd be willing to say both. Um, but, uh, you know, there's there's so many emotions and relationships. And I think that's why when it ends with Bucky, you know, like tapping the shield on his back and like basically stepping into the same stride that he was doing with with Steve I honestly think that's him accepting everything that has happened and finally coming to terms of, 
you know, he finished the book, you know, I think that they are friends now. Like they're like, Oh yeah, we're not friends. We're just two dudes who knew a dude. And we were friends with that dude. And, you know, they were joking around at that point. Cause I'm pretty sure that they had accepted each other and were friendly, but at the end of that, of the series or this, the season, whichever one it is, they genuinely like each other and they respect each other. And I, I will see, I could easily see Bucky treating Sam similarly, not the same, but similarly to how he treated Steve. And Oh, he, for sure, yeah. And Steve, uh, Bucky has that fun uncle energy going now at the end. Oh, yeah. Crawfish boil. I can't tell you how many <laughs> times I've seen it. It's like, like he smiles. Oh, oh, big scene, by the way. First time we see Bucky wake up and not have a nightmare is when he is staying at Sam's sister's house. And because oh, he feels comfortable. Pick up on that. Oh, that's so sweet. It's he. It's the first time that he uh, he he doesn't wake up with a nightmare, and he is actually happy to wake up and everything. So, just beautiful scene. Um, the scene that you're talking about with the fire page. I think the scene that we did get, and I think this would be kind of a good one to end on. I can ask my question if we want, but um, I think this is a good way to end, kind of start wrapping it up. The scene that you wanted with the Bucky and the fire, we got with Isaiah Bradley at the end. And, and the, that's the, the one I cried for. Yes. Be, and I think that's because of how well they set up the whole story and like Isaiah Bradley even like still being, you know, resistant in the in the end. But Sam getting that, you know, keeping his promises, essentially, because he. It seemed like at the beginning of the series, it was showing that he made all these promises that he couldn't keep. But at the end, he did. There was two really big ones about him telling people about Isaiah and getting Sharon pardon. Lol. Um, he kept both of those huge promises. So and even fixing up the boat, you could yeah. say, is the beginning of that. And it's him accepting and being Captain America. Isaiah is rooted in a truth that everybody knows, like was a real event, you know, or I think should that, know that also put so much more weight on it yeah that's that realistic connection that we're talking about the thing that makes it not just what these characters are experiencing but what they symbolize but aaron i want to do i do want to hear your question you said you had a question for our final thought i want to hear it it's time for my final thought um i uh we kind of already touched on it but i really think with how the story ended with john walker um i did really like that he didn't go after Carly, um, the Flag Smashers leader, uh, and chose to save the people, redeeming himself slightly, but, you know, put that one in the win column. He has a thousand other in the lose column, but, you know, put that one. Him becoming U.S. agent, who isn't necessarily a bad guy, but he is antagonistic, really, really cements the fact that one of the next big things how we had thanos and the infinity stones and everything like that the next big thing um is going to be the dark avengers especially because it's not mephisto i think mephisto is coming especially with agatha popping out it was agatha all along because otherwise all those fan theories are incorrect and who are we going to believe a bunch of fans on the internet or the studio that's making these things i think we know the answer to that i think mephisto is coming but real title of this show the real title of this show was mephisto and the winter mephisto Fisto, 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 fisto. Oh, uh, real quick for those. I really those... didn't want it to end with Captain America and Bucky. Yeah, Bucky. Yeah. Oh. Because he's not the Winter anymore. Soldier anymore. Like, 
they and they can they apparently they toyed around with saying Captain America and the White Wolf, showing that he wasn't the Winter Soldier anymore. But they wanted the focus to be on Sam becoming Captain America, um, so, and I and I, I get, get that. So, um, I uh, I really Black think Falcon and the White Wolf. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my god! I'm gonna say the white one. Oh that's like, a that's okay. a maybe no. that's why the optics on that are just untenable. Here comes Bucky, the White Walker. It's a lot. Yeah. What is what is the question you have? Why do wolf gotta be white? <laughs> so, um, there are in in the comics there is uh, a combination between Captain America and Iron Man called the Iron Patriot, who we did actually technically see in Iron Man three. I don't I don't agree with that in the slightest Um, who's actually Norman Osborn funnily enough Um, there is a Spider-Man with Venom but it's um, a different Venom it's actually Scorpion as with the symbiote suit there is a Captain Marvel Um, there is who's a completely weird character there is a Wolverine with Dakin Um, and there is a Hawkeye who is Bullseye Um, so Let's let's keep it to five. We'll say Captain Marvel, uh, Captain America, Spider Man, um, Hawkeye, and uh, Iron Patriot. Iron Man. Let's just say Iron Man. So those five characters, who would you think? Because we, we kind of already have one with Captain America and U.S. Agents. Who would be? the um the other four of the dark page uh, the dark avengers well you already know it's the comics like that's just no 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 no. sorry 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 (laughs) sorry guys of characters we've already seen who would be those characters oh you think we can pull them out like they've already introduced them all and it's just up to us to look maybe i pick one from can i pick one from the list that uh wasn't included yeah sure i would love to see General Ross come in as Red Hulk. Oh, especially since he's still around. See, like that. That is what I'm talking about. Because I, if he's not in it, uh, I think oh, he's Thunderbolts. But that's that's a whole different team. I need either. (laughs) I need either of these men to show up, just because they were so ridiculous in the way they acted with these characters. I I need uh, Tom Hardy as Venom to show up. Or I need Colin Farrell as Bullseye to show up. Either one of them <laughs> need to come. I need them in my life so bad. They're just so stupid over the top. I love it. Is Colin Farrell's Bullseye part of the MCU, technically? No, no. but the Hulk movies are canon, so... No, no, only in The Incredible. The only Incredible Hulk is... Um, but Ed Norton isn't Ed Norton. canon, again. No, it doesn't, it's not. doesn't but matter. But neither is uh, What's-His-Face for War Machine. I want them both. I want them both to show up so badly. Well, I think we kind of know... a rumor who... that Tim Roth is going to come back as Abomination for the She-Hulk TV show. That would be cool. Though now, the Abomination they... was terrible. No, no, it wouldn't be cool. Just let She-Hulk be a lawyer... A big green lawyer making her way in this hard New York City. Don't bring the abomination into it. I want... Just a legal drama. I don't want to see any superhero shit in this She-Hulk show. I just want it to be... (laughs) Damn it. I want Ali McBeal, but with superheroes. (laughs) I want Caroline in the city, but with Squirrel Girl. Yes. Yeah, Actually, like, that sounds awesome. She just smashes the heck out of everything in the city and saves the day, and then it fades to black and says, executive producer, Dick Wolf. <laughs> <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Dun. Bless it. 
I think that's a great place to end on. Um, Sam and Paige, thank you so much for joining us. We have had, as always, the best time. The best time with you. Um, Paige, I know you're getting like a wonderful rebranding for your business. Would you like to talk about it as we enter into our final goodbyes? Um, Just that a lot of change is happening and stay tuned. <laughs> <laughs> they can find you at Paige Fernberg, correct? Uh, PageFernberg.com, but on Instagram, I'm Paige Fernberg Design. Uh, and that's you. Fernberg with an I and an E, not an E and a U. Not like iceberg and not like a fern like you have in your home. <laughs> it's very confusing. Just Google it. It takes them like a solid five minutes to find me when I go to the doctor. They're like, F-U-R. I'm like, no, no. And they're no. like, H-E-I-N-Z. Let me no. Let me bring out my friend Vanna White to help. <laughs> uh, yes, I would like to buy a vowel. You idiot! You don't have any money! <sighs> well, um, thank you guys so much for joining us. Um, I, I, Oh, wait, I had the name. I'm going to pull that up real quick. Pull it up. Um, I'm just very disappointed in something that just happened. Um, How's the draft going, by the way? That's what I'm talking about. I, I thought I was going to be able to share some news about the Giants' first-round pick with you guys because it was on my phone, but they traded their first-round pick to the Bears. I'm not sure what for. I assume they traded down to the Bears' first-round pick position and maybe a second or a third or, you know, another draft pick. Something All right. Like that. Yeah. So the Giants haven't picked yet. Yeah, they're, they're trying to um, – they're probably trying to get more people so they traded one spot for more. So they're trying to they're trying to rebuild because Daniel Jones is okay. He's better than I thought he was gonna be. Oh, um, I, f- I found the name. Yeah, I was disappointed in that. Um, yes, uh, the name that we had s- suggested because this is now our second time doing this, and I really don't see it stopping until you know we don't have any MCU uh, shows to go through. Um, <laughs> oh, never, never, never. Uh, so we, we are calling these bits, uh, we'll retroactively call the first one with WandaVision this, uh, but this is now the second episode of the Marvelous Marrieds. I love it, babe. <gasps> oh my God. I love the reference. Love yeah. <laughs> there's so many little reference. Liz thought of it. It and when she said it, I'm like, that's perfect. We don't like, <laughs> hold all callers. We have a winner. And now it even opens us up to talk about the Marvelous Miss Maisel if we want to. I was about to say, that's where my mind oh. went first, sadly. No, not sadly. Marvel that's stuff. bro. <laughs> we, that's the first thing I think of. We you cannot trust us to talk about Mrs. Maisel with you because it would be ten five hour episodes. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we'll do season we'll one season soon one. or something. Liz, I feel like we need to start an ASP show. We probably do. Except I haven't watched the Jessica Jones TV show she did. She did that? Wait. Yeah. No. She she did Jessica Jones? The wait, no. Am I thinking about something different? Maybe because not Jessica... the not the B from Apartment Twenty Three, not the Marvel show on Netflix. No, what's no. the other one? It's like the I'll find it out. Bunheads probably yelling at their. Well, I know what I know. Bunheads. Hold on, I... I've got to look it up now. Hold on. <laughs> Amy Sherman Palladino did a Netflix TV show. Oh, also Emily Van Camp was an Everwood. Okay. 
So as oh, everyone. Okay. Yes. Sorry. It took me a second to get back to where we were. For those yeah. of you waiting for the past 25 minutes for her to answer that question, your answer, you've been answered. Yeah. She, um, I, and I see her on the cover for Revenge. I, I can see that, her her face on there. So that makes sense. I only watched the first episode of Jessica Jones and it goes too depressing and I couldn't continue. I want to watch it just to see David Tennant be Jezebel James. Okay, uh, <laughs> I understand the confusion. Which is Parker Posey, who I am obsessed Ooh. with, but I never watched it, and apparently it was like not great. But oh. well, watch you it. you watched I mean, Bunheads. How did yeah. that? I know I only watched like like an episode of Bunheads. I oh. well, to... it's only a season, so you were probably closer to finishing it than you thought. <laughs> <laughs> it's like watching Firefly and being, oh, I'm never going to get to the end of this. Don't worry. It, it ends really soon. Yep. Oh, you will. Yeah. So and you'll worries. be real sad. Yep. <laughs> and then you'll watch the movie, and you'll be even sadder. Oh, bless it. So... <laughs> Yeah, maybe uh, there's a future. Obviously, you guys have the equipment to do it, but yeah, there maybe there's a future ASP show. But, but uh, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let us know, man. We, we love talking to you. We love talking pop culture, and we're all married, so we're bang, bang, bang. We'll we'll jump in as long as you'll have us. It's a four way marriage. Oh, so uh, progressive of wanted. you. So yes, episode two of the Marvelous Marrieds, uh, and we'll have episode three, you know, as soon as Loki gets done, so or it comes out and then gets done. Yeah, exactly. So um, thank you guys again so much for joining us. We love talking with you guys, and we hope to see you soon when it's safe enough to see you. And ditto, 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 likewise, ditto. always a pleasure. <laughs> um, and as always, she's Elizabeth. He's Aaron, and, and we're, we're married, married to the idea. idea.